Hello, everybody, and welcome to another one in our long-running series of financial well-being podcasts. My name is David Lloyd. I'm the co-host of this podcast, and I co-host it with Chris Budd and Tom Morris. Tom, why don't you go first and tell us a little bit about yourself today? I, I, I like I like the fact that uh, I get to usurp um, Chris for this one episode only. Uh, yeah, Tom, oh, boring. I'm going to tell you again. Uh, I am the director and charter financial planner at Ovation Finance in Bristol, who kindly support support this podcast. And uh, yeah, father of two, just about getting enough sleep, holding on by my fingernails to life. But yeah, um, and uh, and and uh, and and the proud dropper of four shots on his handicap during 2022. Oh, brilliant! So, what's it down to now? Um, down to twelve. Oh, that's very 12. And actually, I've not had an opportunity to do this. Some of some listeners may remember that in the summer, I went round a past 72 and 79. So I broke some the elusive 80. They may be trying to forget, Tomo, to be honest. They may be trying to forget. Well, I managed to do go around a golf course in 76 the other day, which was a record for me. However, it was a past 68 and a far easier course, but the golden 80 has been broken again. So there you go, listeners. I'm sure you're riveted by that news the best score i ever got was 83 and it was on a uh because of the handicap I had at the time, it was a it was a net 57 oh gosh you banned it <laughs> i was indeed my handicap was dropped three shots immediately as a result of that well i'm a complete golf ball and i am hoping that this time next year i'm talking to you as a single digit handicapper um but i fear my marriage might be over if I try and attempt that. So I've got to get the balance right. Right. Before we lose any more listeners, because people are interested. <laughs> you've, in lost, you've lost me. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, come back to us and tell us who you are. So I am uh, the founder of Ovation Finance and the founder of the Institute of Financial Wellbeing, where all good financial planners go to share their ideas and learn about money and happiness. I'm also the author of the Financial Wellbeing book and the second financial well-being book, which currently called the still called the cornerstones of financial well-being, out in the spring. Excellent. Looking forward very much to that one. Do you know, I, I do obviously recommend your book to people on a fairly routine basis. I tell them I do a podcast. They say, "Oh, what's that about?" And I tell them, and they go, "Oh, that sounds interesting. Uh, I'll go go away and read that." But actually, I did have somebody recently who came to me and said, "Do you know that book you told me to read?" Well, I went away and read it. And it was really, really good. So, you know, <laughs> people do read it and it does make a difference. So, well done, Chris. So, I'm slightly worried where that story was going to end up. So I'm glad <laughs> well, I don't know yeah, most people come back and say, what a pile <laughs> of crap that was. Of course. Well, let us not forget. Let us not forget that all the proceeds of that first book go to the Penny Ron Cancer Centre. So, even if somebody buys it and hates it, it's still done some good. Yeah, no, it's a very good book. And I obviously I would say that, but I genuinely believe it to be true. So enough of the self-congratulations. What's on today's podcast, Chris? So today, David, we're going to listen to a chat that I had with clinical psychologist Joy Lear, co-founder of the company Shaping Wealth. Now, isn't that the company that Neil Bage started? It is. Old friend of the podcast, Neil Bage, as, we, as his official title, um, along with another behavioural expert, Brian Portnoy. Uh, Joy and Brian are both American, and I'm hoping we'll get Brian on the show at some time soon. Excellent. Look forward to that very much. But before we come on to the interview, let's go to the first of our two regular features, No Shizzle Sherlock, in which we listen to the words of wisdom from a financial or investment guru and wonder whether this is indeed insightful and meaningful advice or whether it's as obvious as the fact that although 
do people do say there are two football teams in Bristol. There is only ever one that's worth supporting. And of course, by that, I mean City and not Bristol Rovers. Irene, good night. (laughs) Drink up the cider, drink up the cider. Okay, so we've moved on from golf banter that nobody cares about onto Bristolian football banter. We haven't, you have. (laughs) All right, then. Well, you asked me to put a joke in, and I have. And just because you don't like it because you support the wrong football team, there's no sense in you getting all bitter, Mr. Bitter Gashead. Chris, what is today's No Shizzle Sherlock? Jack Bogle was an American investor and famous for founding the Vanguard Group, a company that pioneered low-cost passive investing. Now, I'm just going to stop there, if I may. What is this passive investing of which you speak? Also known as index investing. This is where you would buy a fund that simply copies the stock market. And the idea is, is that because they just simply copy the market, it's low cost. Um, it's extremely difficult for a fund manager to beat the market. So the idea is that actually you're better off just trying to replicate the stock market. Um, so, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a pioneer. Um, and as I think I've alluded to before, so index investing is something that we... like an ovation so yeah he's yeah he's a pioneer and a bit of a bit bit of a god in in when it comes to to the financial services world as indeed are you tom but thank you very much for that explanation (laughs) so jack's famous quote about investing is this time is your friend impulse is your enemy Mm, i kind of vaguely get that tomo can you elucidate hmm yeah I, i think this is a really neat it is a bit no shizzle show like to a degree. It seems very obvious, but it's a really neat way of just simply saying when it comes to investing, because remember, that's that's what he knows. Being invested for the longer term, i.e. being patient, um, will give you the returns that you need. And impulse is your enemy is by making actions in an impulsive way. It might be selling at the wrong time. It might be changing things for no apparent reason. So what he's saying there is is... Have your plan, invest, stick to it, and time will be your best friend because ultimately you should see yourself in a far better position by being patient and sticking with it. So it's sound, it's sage advice. Yeah, I I think so. It's a bit like the sort of financial cooling off period, isn't it, really? It's very easy to jump into something and then go, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. So I think definitely sounds to me like that is very good advice and taking time in which to think these things through. Yeah, I think taking time to think through the decision. But once you've made the decision when it comes to investing is actually accepting that it takes time. You know, there's no good reacting to a 2022 is a perfect example where we're on a down period, what they call a bear market, where where thing where markets go down, it, it's you can't be impulsive during this time. You have to be patient because ultimately, when markets recover and 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 start to be in a better place, last for a lot longer. So that's where he's saying time is your friend. Don't be impulsive. Got you. Thank you very much for that. Right now, let's move on to the main event: the tight ass Tomo tip. Uh, but before we come on to the um, master of meanness himself, Chris, have you got anything for us today? Yeah, well, sort of. It's it's a kind of what not to do story. Uh, so I went to visit a friend of mine um, in Denmark and I'd forgotten that when I was coming back, I was going straight to a meeting up in Manchester. So 
I miscalculated my pants supply. <laughs> so I'm in Copenhagen Airport and I need to buy some new pants. So I'm a bit short of time because the gate's about to be announced and it's a, it's a 20 minute walk away. So I go into Hugo Boss and they're 350 Danish krona, which is about 40 quid for a pair of three pants. I'm not paying 40 quid for a pair of three pants. Ridiculous. So I try and find somewhere else. Can't find anywhere else. And I see that the gate is literally about to be announced. So I go in the next shop, which is called Tiger of Sweden. And I just pick up a pair of pants, pay for it, get out. The lady gives me the pants, gives me the receipt. And off I start walking quickly towards the gate. And as I'm halfway there, I think, oh, I wonder how much I've just paid for those pants. 800 krona, 90 quid. I am currently wearing, David, 30 pounds underpants. So wow. the tight ass Tomo tip is never buy anything without a price ticket on it. Yeah, and to go and to go back to the previous uh, no shizzle Sherlock, time is your friend, impulse <laughs> is your enemy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Although my tush is very comfortable right now. Well, I'm sure I don't think I want to know that, Chris. I really don't want to know that at all. However, I'm going to add on that that actually uh, a tight ass Tomo tip for that would be um, rather than buy new pants, just wash them in your hotel sink, hang them out to dry, and wear them again. <laughs> Tomo, what have you got for us? This this goes on really well to my tight ass Tomo tip. Now we are recording this November 2022. We've got obviously increasing uh, costs of energy, etc., etc., and it's going to be cold. The concept is this idea of a navy wash. Now, if you're not familiar with what a navy wash is, this is where you have a bath and or a shower. So things you can have them at the same time and wash your clothes at the same time. So, yeah, there you go. You could be sitting in your own bath water, washing your clothes and sitting in your own <laughs> dirty clothes water. So do you actually wear them into the shower or you just get in the bath and while you're there using the hot water, you hand wash stuff? Well, that's a very good point. Maybe you could not wear them, but you know, like stamp them, like you're stamping grapes. If you're an old fashioned, oh, yeah. uh, in old fashioned vineyard, you could stamp them out. You could put, put some, the suds from wherever you get your suds from, stamp it out. You never know. That might make it a lot cleaner. Go on. Some of the dirt that might come off your body might kind of pollute your clothes. It might be. Hey, I no one said around, it needs really? to be perfect. Yeah. It might be the <laughs> way around, yeah. Um, I just an idea. Um, yeah. Not one that you necessarily have to, to live by, but if you really are struggling or want to save some money, the Navy wash. Excellent. Well, I'm, if any of our listeners uh, want to give that one a go and would like to let us know through the usual channels how successful that was, I think we'd be delighted to hear back from you and we'll report back to you in a future podcast. Thank you very much, Tomo. Chris, uh, tell us about today's interview. OK, so Joy Lear lives in San Francisco which already makes her cool because I've always wanted to go to San Francisco. Oh, and I've been. It's brilliant. You would love it, Chris. One of my favourite cities. Yeah, I'll be maybe even more determined to go there one day. Um, maybe we could do a podcast interview from there, get Ovation to pay all the expenses, and we'll do a special uh, report from San Francisco. How about I that? Agree. Idea? Oh, what a shame Tomo was the finance director. would have to sign it off. But, oh, well. Uh, mm. So Shaping Wealth, the company that she founded with Neil Bage and Brian Portnoy, helps financial advisors to help their clients make better financial decisions by understanding their behavioural biases. 
As you can imagine, they are our kind of people. Joy also practices as a psychologist. And I was talking to Neil Beige a little while ago about the idea of permission. And he suggested Joy would be the perfect person to ask. So I did. So, Joy, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Really appreciate it. It is wonderful to be here, Chris. Thank you. So I was talking with my friend Neil Bage, who has been on our Financial Wellbeing podcast many times. And I was um, just chewing the fact with him about something. And I and I said to him about this concept of permission. And I'm really, I've been really interested for years about the idea of uh, permission. And he said, well, you need to speak to Joy immediately. So that's what we're doing. That's why we're here. So first of all, Joy, why don't you just introduce yourself a little bit and explain uh, who you are and what connections with Neil and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. My name is Dr. Joy Leary. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. So I have, during the course of my clinical career, have had the opportunity to work in a lot of different treatment settings, um, hospitals that consulted for the U.S. Armed Forces, worked at Children's National Medical Center in Washington, D.C., worked at Penn Medicine, Princeton Health, and have maintained a private practice for a long time. And what I I tell people, I have the best job in the world as a psychologist. I get to sit behind closed doors and have conversations with people that they aren't having with anyone else. And I've got to tell you, one of the topics that comes up time and time again is money. It's one of the great taboos. We are talking about death. We are talking about sex. So why not talk about money? So it's- Well, hang on a second. I must just interject there. You're talking to a larger English audience. We don't talk about sex. (laughs) (laughs) So so tell me, before we go on to this permission thing, tell me a bit about Shaping Wealth. What's that all about? Because you're one of the three founders, I think, aren't you? Absolutely. So with this knowledge that money is one of these issues that is deeply personal, that we don't talk publicly about, as a clinician, I really gained an appreciation that money is not about math. It's about psychology. So I was invited to begin to do some consulting and work on financial psychology within the field of finance. And in doing so, I connected with Brian Portnoy and um, another one of my partners, Neil Beige, and we co-founded a company called Shaping Wealth. And really, we are providing training for financial advisors, understanding how they can leverage the power of behavioral science and the understanding of client psychology to really elevate their practice. So that's a fascinating phrase you've just used there, money is psychology. Could you elaborate what you mean by that? Absolutely. If we think about money, it's not just about economics. This is a really emotionally fraught topic. For so many people, it is an emotional lightning rod. It's money is, yes, it's a tool we have, but it is very emotional. And people's relationships with money often goes back to very early experiences that they had in their families of origin. So the the behaviors that we sometimes see on the surface when we are looking at adults and sometimes can be labeled as, well, that's irrational. But I've got to tell you this, when you get to understand enough of someone's story, 
you can see that on some level, at some point, at some point in their lives, because they're humans who are wired to survive, that was maybe adaptive. And they now maybe those old patterns and ways of coping, they've maybe outgrown them or they've expired and they don't fit or they aren't necessary in the current environment. Um, but people's financial decisions, they aren't just running the numbers. It, you know, I do a lot of talking with people about the knowing doing gap. We can give people lots of information about money. Lots of people know the right things to do in their lives when it comes to all aspects of our well-being, financial well-being, physical well-being, emotional well-being, spiritual well-being. But there's often this chasm between what people do and what they know. And part of my work as a clinician and part of the work that I'm doing at Shaping Wealth is helping people understand, okay, what lives in this great divide? And then how do we help people build bridges in their life so they can walk, a, walk from where they are to become a better version of the person that they have the potential to be? And in this case, uh, making better, better financial decisions, maybe specifically. Um, well, just one word that you use there. I wonder if you could explain for me. What does adaptive mean in this context? Adaptive is how we respond to our environment. Um, there are changes when there are constraints. We have to do things, again, to adapt and survive. So, our, our choices, when they are adaptive in nature, they're helping us kind of roll with the punches of life. So when it when it comes to money, then, everything about money is adaptive, really, isn't it? Because having some money gives you, in theory, more options, whether they're good options or not. Another, another question, of course. But, um, yeah, if you if you win a lottery or find some, uh, 10 pounds on the street, it gives you an option of how do I spend that money? So that's always adaptive. Is that a good thing or is that going to cause problems? Is that part of the issue? Well, I think what is adaptive for some people in some situations is not necessarily adaptive for everyone all the time. And I think one of the things that hems people up in their financial lives is they are comparing themselves to other people. So what other people can afford and do doesn't mean that that's your situation and that you should copy and paste their behavior. Also, often when we zoom out and look at the whole of people's lives, especially for people who have made some, some leaps in terms of success, maybe they have climbed up the SES ladder a little bit. What, what used to be adaptive and keep them again, alive, maybe maybe they, they spent some time where there was not much to go around and they had to scrap and save and work and work. And there was, there was no room for any kind of indulgence in any ways. So that was adaptive then. But then all that hard work has paid off and maybe they've gotten themselves to a point where, okay, they have more resources, but 
They are then so used to this old behavior of, I need to hold on to everything. I need to really almost be hypervigilant about where every penny is going. I need to be anxious and alert and on guard. What is the next threat that's going to come? Because that could completely knock me out. And we need money to stay alive. So when there is very little of it, I think as humans, we are we can be rocked to our core. And when you've had experiences of scarcity like that, then you carry that forward. And sometimes the brain doesn't hit refresh. Mm. So we keep acting as though there's not enough to go around when there is. And then that gets really gets in people's way of them enjoying their life and really being able to savor all that they've worked for. Yeah, I, 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 so so it's it kind of some experiences bake in behaviors into us, and then later when circumstances change, those behaviors should change, but they don't because they're yes. baked in. But, yeah. So so let's let's talk about this issue of permission then, because there's lots of things that stop those behaviors from changing, especially around money. Um, and I could talk to you, I'm sure, about for hours and hours and hours about them, but we just chose one of them today, which is this issue of um, of permission. Can you explain the role that permission takes when it comes to our happiness? Absolutely. So when I think about this concept of permission, I think we have to look at it from two different vantage points. First is, what life are you giving yourself permission to have? What dreams are you allowing yourself to pursue? And the other piece of permission is how much time do you spend looking to others to give you permission? And I think that can really be problematic because sometimes then you put things on hold until you feel like someone is saying, yeah, that's all right. Like there's no internal compass or guide that this is what I want. This is what I'm worth. So this is what I'm going to go after. So you're constantly waiting on someone else. And the messages you're going to receive from them are coming through their own lens. So that's not even necessarily going to be in your best interest. Or what gets what causes problems for people is if they, again, look at other people's behavior and say, well, they are doing that. So certainly I should be able to do that too. (laughs) But here is the problem, Chris, especially when we're talking about finances. We are constantly comparing our private financial lives to everyone else's very carefully curated public facade. So as someone who hears the real story behind the picket fences and the filtered pictures (laughs) over and over again, we often don't understand or register the pain that that is a natural consequence of some people's choices if they are choosing to bankroll a lifestyle that they can't afford. So there's three aspects there. I I only came into this conversation with two. I hadn't thought about that third aspect. So let's just go through each of those then. It's really fascinating stuff. Um, 
so firstly let's just talk about uh giving yourself permission and if i may i'll just tell you a very very quick story um which i think is one of the reasons which pe- first piqued my interest so many many years ago um 10 years or so ago i decided to go to a four-day week and i felt really awkward about this because i was the boss of the company and what message would this send to everybody else and and i was really wrapped up in it and i i asked one of the employees i took um her aside vicky um and i said you know what do you think and she said well why not we're all part-time and it suddenly dawned on me that of course everybody else in the office did less than a full uh, you know a full hour a week they had um, child care or what have you i was the only one that was working full-time never occurred to me and as soon as she said that i felt i had permission and it felt okay so that was something i didn't know that i wanted so there's an element of not be even being aware of needing permission isn't there yeah And I think one of the things that happens that people that gets in the way of people giving them permission themselves, like writing a permission slip. I don't know if that was the thing in the UK when I was when I was growing up in in primary school, we there would sometimes be permission slips like consent has been signed for you to do something or go someplace. And I think more adults need to be signing more permission slips, but we don't. Because of the stories we tell ourselves in our head, be, and we are so focused on, well, what will they think? What will their judgment be? And then if we think about how, how psychology plays out here, there is this concept called projection, where sometimes some of our own internal hangups, our concerns and fears, we then assign them to the world. So we're given this blank canvas and we're like, well, everyone else is going to think, who does he think he is? He's lazy. You know, uh, then our stories, we don't own them as our own and look at where's this coming from? Is this helping me or holding me back? We just say, well, everyone else is going to think this, so I better not do that thing. But that is giving your power away. So the the, the kind of almost the same thing isn't it giving yourself permission seeking it from other people I'm, I'm i'm now getting myself confused as to whether these are actually two different things or it's all wrapped up in the same thing i think it's all it, it's all interconnected and if if we focus on what we give ourselves permission to do i think we need to think about just muting the outside world and looking inside and saying what do i want and what do I really believe that I deserve and letting yourself do that because Chris we can often be our own worst enemies self-sabotage is very insidious and people are walking around moving through the world unwittingly getting in their own way all of the time And we talk about glass ceilings and success, but I think often we create our own upper limit. We set our own ceilings through the stories we tell ourselves. And we have to be really careful about that. Mm, Yeah. And I guess permission also therefore comes, uh, it it needs um, uh, something to judge it against, doesn't it? You know, is this a good thing or a bad thing? And therefore, am I going to get permission? Well, what is good and bad? And 
Therefore, we need to understand why did joy come from and that it's internal and not external. That, that, and that's a whole financial well-being piece that we go into there. So um, so let's just look at the last thing that you said. Then I, I love the idea that, um, as you said, you see behind the doors. Um, you when people come and tell you, and you had an entire career of telling you the reality. Um, so come on, give us some give us some tips. You know, what how bad is it out there? <laughs> I think the truth is there are a lot of people carrying a lot of pain. Yeah. And people can mask it very, very well. I think sometimes we look at people who we deem as successful but we don't know the struggles that they are walking around with. And that's why I think as we are moving through the world, we need to hold in mind that every person you are passing and engaging with is living a story that you know nothing about. So that's why we really have to be engaging with empathy as we move through the world. Yeah. And, uh, and, I know that that's a great phrase about when you judge people, particularly online, somebody's having a bad day. You don't know what sort of day they're having when they're making some sort of silly statement. Exactly. Exactly. So where permission ends with poor financial decisions, then what can somebody do? Maybe they're not even aware of this or they maybe they are aware of it. What, what can we do to create better financial decisions around permission? Well, I think when it comes to finances, really thinking about where uh, where are you taking your cues? You know, who are you looking to and saying, well, if they are doing that, that's okay for me too. You need to be running your own race. You actually don't know everything that is going on with that person. So then that goes, then we circle back to what is the life you want to give yourself permission to have and understand that the choices you are making today is creating the life you will be living in tomorrow. So you need to own that and take agency and authorship of your story. Decide how there are so many things in our financial lives that we don't control. We don't control the economy or the markets. We don't control the period of history we were born into. We don't control the family we were raised in. But we control our attitude, our mindset, and our actions. So we need to own those things and think about how do I channel my energy to control the controllable and create what what I want and what I really deserve. And then if there are some problematic scripts of, oh, I don't deserve this, or it's not okay to be successful, or wealth is... You know, look at your scripts about wealth that may be getting in the way of your pursuing, having abundance in your life. All of that needs to be looked at and unpacked. And then give yourself permission to go after it because every person deserves more than what is the status quo right now. And the status quo is, in many cases, financially underwater and very anxious about it because of the choices they're making, trying to keep up and running this race on hedonic treadmill of, I just need a little more. I just need a little more. I just need a little more and never reaching that point of enough. So you're making me wonder if I've got the wrong word rather than permission. There's a word behind permission, which is deserve. 
because that's a very interesting area as well, isn't it? Because when you first used that word, I thought that was problematical. What do I deserve? Well, I deserve to be rich, you know. Um, why other people are? Why can't I? But that's a very dangerous territory to go down. So, how do I know what I deserve? So deserving isn't about entitlement, but I often will use the word deserve very strategically when I'm working with people who are sabotaging themselves. Because when, again, if they are, have done enough work and they're like, no, I, 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 I should be able to have a good, healthy, safe life. Yet their behavior is a constant form of self-punishment. I have to point that out and say, is that what you really believe you deserve? To continue to be stressed out? To be distracted in your life? To be discontent? Always caught in this comparison trap? Are you sure you aren't worth something more? The, um, the Dalai Lama talks about the objective of life is joy. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just realized I don't mean that to be you, obviously. <laughs> oh, what have I said? Um, the objective of life is, is to live a life with joy. And um yeah. that's what you mean by deserve, then, isn't it? It's no it doesn't mean and I I'm, I've just written down the, the phrase deserve is not entitlement. So yeah. that's an interesting way that I heard that word, first of all. You're simply talking about we all deserve, we all have the right to be happy. Yes. And that does not mean, you know, I think sometimes we get so focused on the pursuit of happiness. That does not mean an absence of sadness or pain. Because we need to learn how do we let, let struggle and pain live alongside and coexist with the joy? How do we let ourselves savor that sweet stuff and keep going and persevere through the heart, because that is life. Fantastic. So uh, I think you've given me my answer to, to this conundrum I've had for so many years that actually I'm missing the point. It's not permission. I need to understand that we deserve a life uh, of joy and of happiness, and therefore we have permission to do that. And as long as the thing anchors to that, then go for it. Yeah. <laughs> joy, thank you so much for joining us. I suspect we could talk for absolutely hours, but uh, we we must keep to our time. So thank you so much for for joining us on this podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Chris. Well, falling in love again, never wanted to. What am I to do? Can't help it. What a lovely person she was. She's a delight. Absolutely. And, And so smart and clever. She's, yeah, she's, She's everybody's favourite. She's she's absolutely brilliant. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, I've got nothing more to to add than uh, to David's to David's song. I can't sing, so I'm not going to sing. But yeah, that was that was a great interview as ever, Chris. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, we look forward to hearing more from uh, Joy in the future, and indeed more from you, Chris. I do enjoy your interviews. I think I've said this to you before, Chris, but I probably don't big you up enough, and I've made a bit of fun of you about Bristol Rovers today. So I'm just going to once again say what a good interviewer you are and you really do get the best out of the people that we talk to. So thanks again for a fascinating interview. And I think that's it. And that's all we've got to say for this edition of the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. And we look forward to you joining us again at some indeterminate point in the future. 
If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris, and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. Thank you.